Star Trek Discovery Season 4. I thought you would like that. I've applied a little bit oh, of our I did, no- I did, but I was New, waiting for the New England. Uh, I was, I was our New England, uh, Northern New England. Uh, that season Fawa. Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt the opening though. I don't know. I no. to make sure you. Well, I was wanting you to respond. Kobayashi Maru, Episode One, Season Fawa mm-hmm. of Star Trek four. Discovery. So the season show four. The show is back. This is the first time. I noticed that we've had two seasons of Discovery in the same year. Okay. Season three spilled a little bit into 2021, and season four obviously is beginning now at the end of 2021. So we're book ending, book ending both seasons. If only book were ending. <laughs> I know. Well, something of book books ended. Uh, well, everyone he ever loved. <laughs> So, Michael, I guess. Let's so let's let's discuss this. So, tell me your thoughts, your high level thoughts as we begin this episode. All right. Um, high level thought. <laughs> I don't really have those. No, yep. I think that if I read the summary of this episode and didn't watch it, I would be very happy. I am. I'm very glad you said that. Because I liked the things that happened, but I didn't like watching them happen. If that makes sense. No, you're right. So I've arrived at a conclusion and Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I think it applies to the whole show. And this episode really just kind of made me come to that conclusion. Um, I feel like, Discovery as a show itself is very good in theory. But then when you actually go to watch it in execution, then it doesn't quite live up to how awesome it sounds. Yes. I, I totally agree. And But I will give them credit. If I liked what was happening more this season than last season. So far, yes. I think that this is a very, for me, I, 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 I think it's a season opener. I thought it started off fairly strong. Um, yes. Now. But we're only one episode in. That and this is change. all colored by the fact that, and I, for anyone, for all our new listeners who I'm sure are joining us in droves today, first off, welcome. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we, we're not haters. We're fair to the show. We, yep. but... I'm sure if you went back to the first mm, two, maybe three episodes last season, I think I was I had some theories about things. I thought there were some interesting directions they could go. Yeah. And it, it and I thought every choice they made to resolve things was awful. Right. So it's very hard for me to get any excitement up or. Um, thoughts or, it's be- or sort yeah. of like predicting cool things that could be could be coming um it's it's it, it is the classic fool me once shame on uh you fool me four times shame on me well this would be the third well yeah that's I your mean, third season yes we yeah. we were much it's hard more to say it's hard to say i mean i i'm i'm always hoping for the best that it does that it does well and when i say does well i mean that it's something that 
some genuine enjoyment that I get out of it. I think that I was trying to think about what, how how I approached this time last season, and I kind of had similar similar thoughts. But I think the big difference this time is that um, it didn't. Last season opened it opened with a very kind of like uncertain, somewhat dark premise, and while this episode may have sort of ended that way, I feel like the the show felt different in this episode. It didn't feel like the same sort of like down and out feelings from the previous seasons. It definitely felt like it definitely in the first like 45 minutes or so, right up until the last few minutes, there was a far more positive vibe I felt to the show. Things were things were clicking, things were working for me. There was there were small things along the way that I was like that I wasn't really a huge fan of but I was into it I wasn't bored um it did some stuff that I was hoping it was going to do so um I think it's one of the stronger season openers that we've gotten thus far dare I say maybe even I don't know I I I have a real soft spot for the first episode of season two I thought that was really good I like the first episode of season one also yeah but um I think this one I'd have to sit on it sit on it a little bit more. Uh this could be my this could be the best season opener thus far for me. Again, I have to let a little time pass before I kind of arrive at that conclusion though. So Yeah, I would definitely have to go back and see, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah. Mainly because I didn't like it that much. That's <laughs> not really an answer uh, as to why, but um First off, I mean, I really do think that it's very hard for me to not l- go into this. You're sitting there smiling and nodding like a good sport. And feeling just, negative yeah. Yeah, after yeah. last season. I dreaded it. I didn't watch the for, no, for days. I know. Um, it's, um, I don't want to say too painful. That's an overstatement. <laughs> it's a chore. It is a chore. It is a chore. For the first time doing the podcast, right? Because we started it because we were watching Star Trek and talking about it anyway. And we figured, hell, let's do a podcast. And, but this time was the first time that it really just felt like, oh, man. Well, I think it's Especially because. Especially for a season premiere. I mean, a season premiere, right. I mean, we're pretty excited. Well, I think it's because, and we'll get into details and all that. I think it's because since this show, since Discovery, there has been far superior Trek made. So it kind of feels like we're taking a few steps down in quality a little bit. After coming off of two great seasons of Lower Decks, Picard. a great first season of Picard, um, you know, we, we, we've enjoyed Prodigy, but um, yes. I can't really compare, honestly, because it's just, it's just it's too different to... I really enjoyed Star Trek The Clone Wars. Yes. So this one to me is still Discovery to me is still the problem child of the of these Star Trek children that we, that we have right now. It's still kind of like the and not the Jack Ritter John Ritter comedy from the 1990s. It's still kind of like the like it still feels to me like the whole um this was like the redheaded stepchild in a lot of ways. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, because for a long time, and actually it's still the case now, 
I've heard that term applied to Deep Space Nine, but it doesn't mean it in the sense of like the quality of the show. It means it in a way that it was just a very different show from the rest. And... Uh, yeah, and I see it as it's strange because it is just like Discovery. It is the flagship show. It is mm-hmm. the launcher of the new Trek, and yet, yeah, it's been cons. It you know, I, I think we can say objectively, it's been objectively the the least focused and the most messy. Yeah, of the shows, right? It's the... I think that's what they've put out on the screen and behind the scenes. Yeah, I think what we seem to hear about behind the scenes or have heard about behind the scenes, whether it was backstage strife and then seeing this, this is, I think Michelle Paradise might be the fourth or fifth showrunner of this show. And the longest lasting, right? Yes. That's a... She came in toward the end of season two. I think she kind of took over when Aaron Herberts and Gretchen... Whatever so she's lasted was. A, whole, a whole season. So she's been there for really two and a half seasons thus far. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, it's it's I, I think it's because up until this season four, the show was con- was constantly rebooting itself. It felt like and just starting over, starting with starting with a new idea and then starting with a new approach or whatever you wanted to call it. So. Right. While you could, well, I don't think anybody will disagree that season three was a new start for the season, for the show. This is really kind of the first time where the show is continuing with that idea in season three. I would say in season, going from season one to season two, while the premise didn't change per se, the tone shifted quite a bit. And you brought on Captain Pike, and the show kind of the, the the focus of the show shifted quite a bit. And again, the tone shifted. The tone shifted again in season three, but also the setting and the premise changed. The only thing I'm seeing change thus far, as I said, the tone feels a little bit different, but the but the premise is remaining more or less the same. They're staying where they are. They weren't whisked yeah. off into another century, right? Yeah, so or another universe. So right? the. It the, season three; these last two seasons at the moment feel season three and season four feel more interconnected than the previous than previous. Yeah. So yeah. And, and so for me, what what that means is that they have finally settled on a direction, and it's of all the directions they've gone, it's my my least favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I think so far. They're playing with some interesting ideas, but I know that some of, I just don't think some of those ideas are going to come to fruition. I have, right. And I, uh, given what we've seen, I mean, we liked some of the ideas of last season. We liked some of the ideas of the free, the, the, the Red Angel season also. Yeah. And it's just the execution, man. I, you know what it is? When I, so the season opens up. Actually, I want to touch on these ideas as we go, but let's at least begin with uh, the episode itself. So as we open up the season, we got to see something that I think you and I were fearful that we weren't even going to see at all, which was because when we last ended season three, it ended with them going off to deliver dilithium. 
Five months have passed. You and I were afraid that that was going to be a case of like everything happened off screen. We didn't even see any of it, which they which they were very guilty of doing last season. But we actually got to see some of it finally as the season opened up with them literally delivering Dilithium right. on a away mission, <clears throat> on a diplomatic mission that, of course, goes wrong. But it was a diplomatic mission nonetheless that kind of reinforced the Federation's need to to help. So, yes. However, the idea behind it, I liked and some of it I enjoyed and it was a fun opening sequence, but you bring right. up some points that I can't ignore. So, yes. Well, yeah. one thing is that we did see this, but it's a species that we don't know. We never saw before. It's not in a quote unquote important species to the Federation. Mm-hmm. We already have a president in place. But we didn't see how that came about. So we did see miss a lot, but we did get this thing. Right. And the problem it and it was just the um the whole vibe of it, it was such a unprofessional first contact. Right. Picard would be appalled. Yes. And yes. now I don't know if I don't think it's established as being a first contact, but yeah. Well yeah, a, a first But nevertheless, contact. diplomatic mission, which was Picard's specialty. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And certainly, I think that it is somewhat. You could, one could argue, and I'm sure the writers would argue that it's that's wrapped up though, because the president criticizes her later for kind of shooting from the hip. Mm-hmm. However, there were some things that were so remarkably off, right? So, hmm, yeah, it's one of those things where if you watch it and you don't think yes. too much about it at all. Yes. This is a yeah, very like, excellent oh, example fun. of that. Look, they're doing banter, and mm-hmm. the first contact didn't work. And, oh, aren't their wings cool? And first off, it's like, yeah, the wings are kind of cool, but how are a bunch of butterflies flying behind you going to be wings that make you fly? But that's not important. What's important <laughs> is that she she brought Book, which first off, right, we're all thinking, well, he's not really even Starfleet. Why is I he don't, there? I still un- don't understand why he's there. Well, they throw in a line that says... She says, do your empathy thing. That's why I brought you. But he says, my what? So in other words, she brought him along, but yeah. never talked to him before the mission to say why he was coming. Didn't have a plan of any yes. kind. Didn't tell yeah. him, like, hey, I might need you to do your thing. Mm-hmm. Right? So, again, it was a situation where it only made sense because they wanted to put them there and have it go bad and have a, a banter. Right. It all kind of... The outcome, the 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 way it escalated, came out of that moment. Yes, and and when I say why is he there, I don't mean there on the away mission. Why is he on? Why is he on the? I mean, that's what you mean. My question is sort of like, why is he on Discovery? He's not Starfleet. Right. I don't understand what he's doing there. Right. From the TV side of things, I get it. But yeah. this is where the this is where the TV this is where like the real world and the sort of Star Trek world intersect with one another, right? Well, like, I can give you if you want to feel okay about it. Mm. In the Revolutionary War and many other wars, uh, they they would hire privateers, which right. were individual ship owners mm-hmm. that would work for the cause, you know. Yep. And um, so he could be kind of he's kind of like a privateer. That's all he well and good. Ship, he does things that help, all that. That's and all well and good. 
they're in a tough situation. They don't have much Starfleet left. And the worst part of it is she's the boy. He's the boyfriend of a captain. That's, that's the real reason. That's all well and good, but you gotta you gotta write a line for that for me, show. Yeah, that's true. Well, he certainly used his ship last season, but yeah, that's true. That's true. right. Right. That's true. Um, and then uh, also we started with there was a sh they were being shot at. They were running. They were jumping, and they they may tried to make a crack about it. Why is there always witty a cliff? banter as they're running? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it reminded me of, it reminded me a lot of the uh, opening sequence from Star Trek Beyond, when Kirk goes down to that planet to offer those little those aliens that ancient, what it was, and of course that goes horribly wrong. Yes, but that was funnier. But it was funny. It was funny, but also like, if you think more about that one, you don't. There's no problems with it. It was literally just Kirk having to deliver something. And yes. Then, yeah, and it went wrong, and it wasn't right. because they were being dumb. Right, they already had the you know, and I, I I get how it was almost as if, well, I guess this should be a good sign, but I could see that first they wrote the scene and someone came in and said like, well, why would they be using idioms, and then they explained uh -huh. that like it's an idiom, and then they had the species say, oh, I understand idioms, so then it's like okay, so now when they say queen later, it. Mm -hmm. It's not doesn't seem as dumb as it would if they didn't understand idioms Did you, and metaphors. It's it's really funny to me to to reference Star Trek Beyond in the sense and arrive at the conclusion that they actually did it better. Like, I never thought I would hear the day, and I'm not disparaging J.J. Trek, I never really have, but to say that that Trek did it better than... Yeah. yeah well, yeah, I mean, we have talked about a lot, and I do believe we both agree Beyond is our favorite. Yes. Right. Um, Had the most Star Trek-like. Trek mm -hmm. Yeah. I would argue Beyond is more Star Trek-like than Discovery. Oh, By totally, totally. Well, By here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, never, never mind the fact that Beyond is a parallel timeline and it uses existing characters already. And you can criticize those movies all you want. I know people, a lot of Trek fans, don't like them, but they definitely understood. In my opinion, they definitely understood the characters of the original series. They understood who Kirk was. They understood who McCoy, especially in that one. Right in the earlier one, mm, but that one especially is where it just really felt like they had totally had a firm grasp grasp on those on who those both the writers did and the actors. So it all kind of came together in that one. So, yeah, agreed. But we'll talk about that one later. This one, on the other hand, yeah. So the whole banter just didn't work for me, and maybe it was good, but I didn't like. It. Yeah, I. I but you're right, though, because I talked to you the day I saw the episode, and I felt good about it, and I watched it several times Sorry. since then, and I still feel good, but of course, you know, opinions do fluctuate after you watch it a couple of times, and you're right. I mean, this is a clear example. This is really kind of the first time when I, watching something like this, watching the show, and just giving it more thought, where it's kind of like, where you begin to, when you look more carefully... You see the cracks. You see the imperfections in the paint job, right? You just... Once you take that magnifying glass over it and just really look. Yeah, yeah. And, but the thing is, I don't think that it's as if we're doing an unfair thing and over-scrutinizing it. No, 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 no. I, I think these are sort of on the surface. No, no, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this too. I think any other show, mm -hmm. non-Star Trek show, this would be fine. 
the problem you run into, and I as much as said this yeah, vampire during the season of Lower Decks, right? It's, it's that when you place yourself in the Star Trek world, like, this doesn't, like, certain things, like, when you try to do a basics, you know, fun banter story, whatever, like, that opening scene, as I said, may works may work in a Star Wars film. But when you put it in the Star Trek world, you have to have, if you're familiar with that world, that may prevent you from, that's going to prevent you from doing certain things. Like, this... In other words, this would not happen in the Star Trek world. It would actually go like this. Like right. Picard yeah. wouldn't. And, and right. clearly, Admiral Vance probably knows what he's doing. Yeah, he seems like he does anyway. Well, I think I think oftentimes the show just feels to me like it's it's wanting to just do be a TV show, but it's it doesn't know. It's kind of like the in a way it was almost like the Star Trek Beyond approach doing a heist movie but populating it with Star Trek characters. I feel like they're just doing a show and then just setting it in the Trek world without... I mean, they, they... I'm not saying they totally ignore it, but there are times when I can just see that the writers find certain aspects about it inconvenient because it gets in the way of something that they want to do. So they dis yeah. they disregard it when it's yeah. inconvenient oh, to them. You know yeah. what? I just had a realization. This yeah. could either be mind-blowing or make no sense, all right? Mm -hmm. Imagine you take those jokes with the queen and all that, right? Yep. You put it in an old bad sitcom, and it's the, the, the husband's boss, right? He's from another country, and he's coming to dinner at their house. Yep. And I think all those dumb jokes work in that, too. Yeah, I mean, I think, what are we getting at, really? It's, they're doing generic, for the most part, they do generic things, right? And they, they'll they pepper it in with Trek stuff when it works, but they will disregard it if it gets in the way. Which is where the frustration comes in, on my part. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because we talked about this last season, when Culber wanted to go down on the away mission and said, I want to go because that's what I was meant to do. And I said, hold up. I get, I understand that from a dramatic storytelling viewpoint. I understand that. But you wouldn't say that to Benjamin Sisko. You wouldn't say that to Catherine Janeway. You wouldn't say that to your captain in the Star Trek world. Yes. No. Right? So, like, that, again, it's when the, when you, when you, Yeah. Because and then at the same time, though, then in the same situation, then they criticize Saru for yeah. wanting to stay and help. Right. So it's also there's no internal logic. I, I yeah I think yeah and I we keep like coming up with reasons for things and I feel like we're kind of getting their whole logic worked out here. Maybe. Yeah. But so. <laughs> After that opening sequence, you know, we're back at Starfleet headquarters and we find out that the Starfleet Academy is being, is reopening after a hundred or so years, which I can't help but think to myself. So, so every person in Starfleet in this world has not seen Starfleet or the Federation in their lifetime pre-burn. So does that mean that everybody was getting on the job training 
I think so. I think it was like when yeah. I had retail jobs in the late 90s and they would pop in a VHS tape and yeah. you'd watch it for half an hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. You think it's something like that? And another thing, why do the uniforms look like the first X-Men movie? Hmm. Yeah, we got to get Everybody somebody else. They're also. going with the black leather mm. now, suddenly. I That I don't get. I, I don't I'm, get it. There's black leather, but then there's color also because they're trying to make it more like something. I don't know. But then, okay, one more thing on this. I'm doing my little stand-up bit about the Starfleet Academy. Um, mm. Here's the president when the president comes up. Welcome to Starfleet Academy. Please take this exposition dump. <laughs> and she right. lays out. Right. So, we're as you know, we've been doing blah and blah, and this thing has happened, and this other thing. We're sort of introduced to the Federation president and reintroduced to what's going on with the Federation. They've added some member worlds. They've built Archer Station, which was a nice nod to Star Trek Enterprise. We heard Archer's theme. I loved hearing the Enterprise theme. It was nice. Just people hate the opening song, the theme song. It was nice. The theme, the yes. actual orchestral Archer's theme, theme yes. is fantastic. It would have been nice if she did say it's been a long road somewhere in there. Oh, my God. It would have worked so perfectly, too. Yeah. It, wouldn't it have? I yeah. hate the franchise's, like, I hate, Getting like, the franchise's conscious here. effort to completely disregard that song. I can't believe nobody's even, like, made a joke about it in some yeah. way. That would have been a great way I mean, of doing that. It's been a long road getting from there to here. Yes. Or she could have just said it's been a long road. We would have known what the fuck. We would have known what she meant. She could have so, said the whole thing. But we're introduced to the Federation president. And I got to tell you, this is where my, um, this is where my, my imagination begins to run wild. Because she's talking about the Federation and just sort of like how they're trying to get back to the way they were. And I found an interesting premise for a TV show in that, in all of that. Because I know it's definitely not going to be this one. But we had kind of talked about this already when we were theorizing about what season three was going to be like. And I liked the idea, liked and still like the idea, of doing a kind of inverted Star Trek Enterprise premise where it's, you know, rebirth of the Federation, where you're still going out there and exploring, just as, just as Enterprise did. I mean, it's really the same premise. But because you're so far into the future, you know, you're dealing with everybody who's dealt with recovering from the burn. It's a very different universe out there. What are you going to find? Who's allied with who? Who's enemies? Who, who are enemies with who? It's small. Right? I have a show where you keep it small. Yeah. It's and you. It's not about. And you have. the And again, as I mentioned, you have this, this idea. Long. Nobody alive in this century has ever seen the Federation pre-burn and what it was like. So they kind of would have to rewrite the book on everything. Yeah, and reprove to people. And some people, maybe now it's 100 each, some odd years. Right. You know, most people that were, depending on how long the species lived, maybe most um, people that knew of the Federation are dead. Yeah, like imagine if this the burn had been so disastrous that it kind of wiped out a lot of maybe Federation records or something like that. So there wasn't much they could sort of refer back to because a lot of the history was lost in the burn, right? So the I, I was really, I'm really into the idea of doing a show like that. I don't think that's the show we're going to get because I no. think all of this sort of like political strife and if there's any even any strife at all, <laughs> these are things that are going to be happening in the background. These are not going to be the main focus because that's, because that's not exciting. 
those you can't have chase sequences from all of that. You can't have witty banter from all of that, right? Yeah, you can't do the West Wing for no, Federation. But like, imagine but I would a, watch the West Wing Federation. Dude, Imagine a world where you have another Deep Space Nine that's dealing with the politics of this time and getting the Federation back up on its feet. Or Deep Space Nine, the actual place has just been abandoned and taken yeah. over by other people or something, and they and they want to reuse it. I don't know. I, I would love there to be some kind of political Trek show like that that does explore the politics of the post-burn Federation. And how to actually rebuild it and what they should do. Well, okay. So this is actually where we should bring in... This writing team is not smart enough to do that. The interview we read. Yeah. Because it it, it, um, directly um, mentioned the president and Mm -hmm. politics. And um, former uh, Vampire Diaries spinoff showrunner Michelle Paradise. Your favorite person said that this is going to be a lot of politics in this season. Yeah, I don't I don't believe a word of that. And that I don't believe a word of that. I'm sorry. She really liked having the president because it was storytelling without telling a story. What does that mean? I think it means that we're supposed to connect the dots that said she is part Cardassian. Yeah. Uh, some something happened where the Cardassians are no longer well uh, 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 you know, rival or outright enemy of the Federation, which is like okay, but that's not telling a story. Well, Ethan, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. All right, I'm gonna go to my parents' house and eat something without really eating something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. It, it, telling a story without telling a story is. Yeah, I'm gonna wind up really negative. You know what? Really the, you negative. know what that? You know what that comes off to me as? That is something like that. I think that's a whole. I'm giving you this. I'm giving the viewers this idea, and I'm going to let them come up with the story themselves. I don't have to do any work here as a writer. Yeah, see, that's my problem. Yeah. A lot of oh, I'm like, not saying that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to. I don't. It's hard writing. Coming up with stuff is hard, but I'll just right. do it. And you guys can make it up yourself. Well, because I think, I th- see, and I think things like that highlight another issue where it's that everything is very surface level everything is very lightweight everything nothing nothing is heavy nothing is nothing has deep meaning it's yeah. very yeah, yeah. surface level. i think we it's saw exal- the butterfly people not right the cardassians right yeah i mean it's all extremely surface level it's a very surface level mentality in my opinion to to everything i mean the relationships the the, the drama just all of it and to your point, the more you think about it, the less sense it all makes. Or, the yeah. you, again, you see imperfections. So, and, they th- and you always say, they think they're knocking it out of the park with a lot of this. Well, yeah, and that's why we make the mistake of reading the interviews and watching the interviews because yeah. it is the way that they talk about what they're doing that but is see, irritating. But see, and when I say I enjoyed this episode, like that's the level I enjoyed it on because that's how I watched it when I first when I watched it the first two times. The third time right. when I was going through it and taking my notes and making observations, that's where the, again, the cracks in the foundation begin to sort of come in. Right. And, and it didn't cause the episode to collapse. Like, wow, they're, they're speaking to our time. Right. That's another thing they've been saying is that the gravity 
distortion is uh, an allergy for COVID. Right. Which, we'll see. You know, that remains to be seen. Maybe they'll pull that off. The thing is, like, this didn't... It, it's not like it caused the episode to collapse in on itself for me. Uh, my opinion changed a little bit, but I still enjoyed it. Yes. But I'm also trying to adopt the mentality that you had said last season, where, like, I just think we need to watch it and not give it much thought. And I remember saying, well, we have to give it thought because it's a podcast. Yeah. We're doing a podcast yeah. on it, you know? Right. So, but... But the idea of, so, and where this episode ends up going is that they receive a distress call from a space station. They have to go out and rescue them. The Federation president decides to come along, which is a little odd, but okay. So, I gotta gotta stop you. Okay. Because this is another case I feel where, and it happened last season, where Michael has these strong feelings. Or hunches, yep. and they're not based in anything that we've seen. She just no. has them because the writers decided to give them to her. So right. the president going on a mission is, she says, politics as usual. Why? Why? We've not seen politics before. Yes. The and most we've seen is Admiral is that Cornwall. That yeah. she goes on the mission. Right. I, I, and I'm not saying it couldn't be bad, but she didn't explain why it was bad. She was just like... This is bad. This is politics as usual. We don't need this. And why? Tell me why. What is wrong yeah. with it? So, actually, I should back up for a second because through all of this, we're getting glimpses of what's going on with Saru on Kaminar. Right? Yeah, I think we might do Saru separately. Yes. Its own things. But I just want to bring up one thing on that because you jogged my memory. Okay. Because the word it's the word why. So, we'll, <laughs> and we'll we'll get to Saru, right? But I just want to mention this one thing. When they're on his home world, in what looks to be some sort of like council chamber, right? Um, Saru says, there's not going to be another burn. The science proves that. And I'm like, what science? What? Why, why can't there be another burn? Yeah, if he gets mad again. The science is clear, is what he says. The science is clear. Not well, to me. Not yeah. to me. Not to, this, not to this viewer. The science should have been clear that a kid getting sad about his mom's death wouldn't cause all right. the dilithium in the universe to blow up. So the science was already clear, but... I mean, I was never... I, I think, though, there may have been a line from Culber at the end of last season where he said, like, I scanned him and he's never going to have to do it again. <laughs> Obviously not. Even, even so, yeah. But, yeah, so they have... So Discovery... Ha- and we'll come back to Saru, but I just wanted to bring that up because it, yeah. it was on my mind. Uh, Discovery has to go off into the, to the space station and rescue these people on board the space station and the Federation president wants to come with them and you know Michael of course objects to this why do you want to come with us and she's like you know you'll make our mission our mission will be dangerous and I like how the Federation president justifies it as saying it's okay I used to fly ships with my father yeah she mentions that a lot twice on at least two occasions yeah yeah um okay so and here's and this is the pro- the problem i have i can't tell because it's just dis- these are discovery writers we're dealing with i can't tell if that's a writer not thinking an idea through or if it's the show trying to trick me that something else is that something is afoot I, big, I can't I can't differentiate I can't differentiate between a character yeah. having an ulterior motive or a writer on the show not having a planned out yeah. idea. 
Remember, we had the same feeling with Admiral Vance. Yeah. Because he I... seemed sinister, but then he just didn't all of a sudden. Right. Literally, one episode, he suddenly was a normal character who smiled and acted normal. I don't, I don't, I don't know where I should, where, who I should be, you know, uh, sort of suspecting as not yeah. having, having this together. Right. And it's because it's impossible fine. to tell. Yeah. She could be fine or she could be evil. I don't know. Well, so. I don't think she would be evil. But. Yeah. And I, I have more to say on this when we get to the end of the episode, but, um, so the Admiral but comes. But you hear some banter about her being sinister? Or, or theories or... Well, did I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, well, I did, and that's what I want to discuss at the end. So, okay. um... But, you know, I didn't really... At the time, I didn't really th think much of that. I'm just like, okay, whatever. And then... Because, and here's the thing. In my mind, this is the Federation president. Okay, I've seen... We've seen presidents of the United Federation of Planets in the past... So you have my trust. I have no reason to question the Federation president at this point. Why would I think that the president of the United Federation of Planets, something's yeah. up, right? Yeah. So now if that's the writer's intention to fuck with me in that way, to fuck with my own trust of the Federation, okay. But at this point in the show, I'm not going to be, I'm not questioning that. No, I'm not either. She doesn't, doesn't, she didn't really. And I have no reason yeah. to, right. It, it's sort of like. And but Michael is, and Michael, as we know, knows everything the writers know. Right. Just like she said, figuring out the cause of the burn is what will save the Federation. Right. And because there was nothing in the narrative of the show to tell us that that would solve anything. But she right. knew it was true. So it could be a similar thing. She knows this is politics as usual. So here right. we go. And my thinking is that the Feder my two reasons for thinking the Federation president wants to come is that this is just a new character once who introduced on the show needs to come along. Okay, fine. But also it's Discovery and Michael Burnham, the two most important things that ever existed in the Trek universe, I guess, from now on. So yes, so yes, the Federation president must go with them. But also... Let's say in their mind, right, it's a routine rescue mission. Yeah. And uh, I want to see that spore drive as much ship, Is the ship from the past that has saved the day and, you know, re restored the Federation. So wouldn't it make sense? I want to see you. I want to see you do this in action because you, your yeah. reputation precedes you. Yes. And the ship is so cool and, you know, you right. saved everything. But it's I a think. It's a routine rescue mission. So right. why don't I come along? It's going to be like, uh, you know. Now keep in mind though, we're theorizing it at this point when that's all but when we know the end result anyway. Yeah. But yes, if we were to if we had if we were to have paused the show at that point, this is probably the discussion we would be having. Right? So we're having a discussion very much sort of in time as it was. Um so they go out there to rescue this space station. Now I had a I had a slight issue with what was going on here. So once the discovery arrives, right? Now, obviously, a lot of people like to complain about how Michael is the center of the universe. She's an action hero. The crew defers to her, but dude, I'm telling you, like, well, she's the captain. They should, right? No, they shouldn't. Okay. Because when so when they arrive at the space station, right? Mm -hmm. I really caught this on my third viewing. <laughs> 
I got a sense of Michael's captaincy sort of in this moment. She absolutely does not captain by consensus. If you go back and watch the scene when they're trying to strategize what to do and you know, remember they pause the view screen looking at the distress call and they see the gravitational anomaly. Michael sees and knows everything and the crew is just there to carry out everything she says. Oh, I she doesn't think, need anyone to tell her anything. No, like so when you so when you go back and look at whether it's Voyager, I can think of at least I can think of at least one instance. I know there are more, but I just have two in my head where I can remember Captain Janeway saying, "Think people, we need options." Or yeah. Picard, or Picard looking around his crew saying, "Options." Or having a Yeah. Or she's Kirk not, with something science related saying, "Mr. Spock." Right. Yeah, she's like, not Michael Michael is not deferring to anybody. The crew is just there to like she's walking around saying, "Do this, do that." Oh, it's oh, this is what it is and and she knows everything. And I'm thinking, why does she even need a crew? She's doing this all, like, and then, I mean, not to skip ahead, but then she goes out in the shuttle and saves the day herself. Right. She doesn't even need a crew on the bridge. I didn't mind as much as the president did, but I'll explain that when we get to it. So, now, I don't know if I'm just late in realizing this, or maybe this was just the worst offense of it, but this is where I really, this is where I really noticed it. Yeah. Michael sort of like, just her ability to not need to I think this is why they're not gonna have any conference room scenes because as far as as Michael's concerned we don't need to because I have all the answers right and I don't think that that's I don't know maybe it's the character but I think it's the writer I think it's the writing I think it's because the writing wants to paint her that way yeah I don't want to do that because the writing want the, the writers want to want to paint her that way I know but I don't, I don't know that, yeah, but I don't know that they do it. They just don't think of it. It's, it's just, you know, because how hard would it be to have her say, yeah. like, oh, well, what are we looking at? Right. And then, oh, it tells her something. Like, you know, but you'd have to throw in a few of those things, and that would tie the crew together a bit more um, and build that relationships that don't really exist, but like, that's not happening. If this were an episode, if this so, <laughs> I should, like, make this a thing now. If that bridge, if that scene when they arrive at the space station and they see it spinning out of control. If that had been a scene on Voyager, right? Mm-hmm. Janeway would have magnified it. She would have looked at the distress call. Tuvok would have said sensors are picking up something or whatever, and they would have seen the anomaly on screen, and she would have been on screen, show it to me, and magnify what is that. And there would have been like a, and Tuvok would be like, you know, inconclusive. Like, yeah. Because Tuvok was, I mean, he worked, was he science? I think he was, no, he was tactical. I'm sorry. But his station that he worked on on the bridge would speak to, would be giving the pertinent information necessary from what was on screen. Yeah. We're not getting. No. We're not no. getting that. Who's your. Control Jordy on it because Jordy's the science person. He'd be right. able to understand the physics. Who is the tactical that. officer on the, on the bridge? Who is the, right. who's the operations officer? Right. There's none of. You know what? I don't know. Yeah. Who wants anybody's job? Oh, like I'm sure those officers exist. But they're not, yeah. they're not like a, they're, they don't play a role in any of the right. yeah. and I episodes. Guess, I guess when it's science related, we could argue, or one could argue that um, uh, she was a science officer, right, Michael? So, right. I mean, that's where Tilly and Stamets and them come in, yeah. On that. But other than that, she should be consulting. Plus, if you want to, um, 
if you want your crew to follow you, you should show that you respect their thoughts about things and their expertise. Right. But this is not. And it's like, I don't think Michael is like purposefully not listening. It's just that she just has all the information. And then she's asking an officer about this. And then she's asking about that. The writer's fault. None of them are sort of like contributing. None of them are contributing their own expertise. They're just, they're just in a way carrying out her orders or answering her questions. Like Reese, Reese gets a few, gets a few more lines in this episode. And he does a little bit of that. But again, he only speaks when spoken to. He on, yeah. They only speak when Michael asks them something because Michael notices something on screen. What is that? You know, it wasn't like Tilly noticed it or um, Owo noticed it. Michael noticed all of it. Yeah, and she already knew what it was. Yeah, so she didn't have to say. Right. Tilly, run a scan on that thing. What are we seeing here or anything like that? Right. Right. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. It really is. And but now, the right. It the, was really bothering me. It might me. be that that could be what the president's problem is with Michael. Right. Potentially. So normally we would look at this and say the writers just aren't good and they're messing up. But it seems like the. So if they're thinking it through, and here I go now. I'm starting to fool me, fool me four times. Yeah. If they're thinking it through, this could all be part of the plan. Where. Right. It's but, Michael's inability to delegate. But does this which not comes sp- up with the with the actual rescue? Does this not speak to the point I made earlier, where I said I don't know if the show's tricking me, if the show doesn't know, or if the writers yeah. just don't know? I don't. Yeah. Know. I can't tell the difference. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Right. So. But then we do have. Um, so as you said, she goes out in that thing that looks like it's from two thousand one. Um, the round thing with the little arms. To do I was kind of hoping that Space Station was going to be Deep Space Nine, just saying. I didn't think it was, but I was like, hmm. You know, it's funny. <laughs> so I was getting a little uh, salty when I was writing my notes, and I, what, I said <laughs> was, what I said was, why is Deep Space nothing spinning around? <laughs> so, yeah. Right. It became um, Deep Space nothing by the end, but yeah. So, okay. It's dangerous for her to go out there, right? It's dangerous but, to go alone. Take this. But... How many times did we see Kirk go on dangerous away missions? He led them all the time. It was all never a problem for a captain to go on an away mission. Right. Why is that it suddenly w- like the whole, the, in the middle of a very dangerous rescue, they have to stop everything right. so that she can debate with the president because it's so dangerous. That was not an issue raised until, didn't that didn't get raised until next generation. Yeah. But Cisco went on away missions. When they yeah. went on away missions. Janeway went on many away missions. And Picard did go on some. And Archer went on some because he was exploring. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Picard went on some. He did. I would argue the least, though. Yeah. Right? Kirk, I would, make, I would defend it by saying, like, it's the 60s. He's the leading man. There weren't rules in place yet for the franchise just yet. So it's kind of like he's leading the way, right? So... Right, yeah. but I just feel like for us to buy that this is a break of protocol, right? They would have had to sell it a little bit more because in my mind, I'm just like, well, I think, she's I think the best the- thing she can do it. She's the captain. I'm used to captains going and doing stuff. What's the big deal? But I think that moment, to your point, though, from what you were saying earlier, is only more ammo for the scene between the two of them at the end. Right. Yeah. 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 But even then, you're breaking norms to have a scene like 
to have a scene like that when this should not be some this should not be something that's held against her when plenty of other captains have done it previously. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And it did it's, seem so strange because it is such a dangerous situation and then all of a sudden everything stops. Why do you hold Michael to a different standard in that sense as you would a Catherine Janeway or a Jonathan Archer, right? Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And then I, I wonder when the president is talking to the station guy, I don't know what his name was, but the guy who's running the station. First off, I'm very confused too. I don't know why the station guy pulled out a phaser and pointed it at Tilly. But you watched it three times. Maybe you know. Mm-hmm. Why did he do it? Uh, well, they you're kind of jumping ahead, but they had gone over there to help him, Tilly and Adira, to help. And I think it was just a case of like him not trusting them at one point uh, when they were evacuating well, everybody. Yeah. In fairness to him, it was an unnecessary over, hurdle. They came over dressed. Uh, like Darth Vader without the helmet. So I can understand why he mm. didn't uh, trust. Right. So there we go. Now we have another weird uniform that's all black. But right. this one has shiny black panels on it. And they look like Daft Punk because there were two of them and they were in the black other than the helmets. They were missing the helmet, but they look very much like Daft Punk. But it was also, I thought, an unnecessary hurdle in the moment because we're sort of right in the middle of a yet, an, yet again another action sequence. And then this is, this adds another layer of unnecessary sort of drama. You get conflict on the station. To, you get to the situation. The yeah. So then the president calms him down by talking about his planet. And they really were working to make that seem sinister. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It seemed nice to me. <sighs> and then Michael really got bent. Did you just lie to him? And and my thought was just, did she calmed him down so that he didn't kill Tilly and kill everybody there yeah. in the process? Does it? Why are you getting all worked up? Well, so that's you, just, I didn't really understand what the what was going on, what the big deal was. Um, how did? How would the? So the she said she went to the place, but she didn't. And that's where oh, his planet, think, right? Yeah, in yeah. the specific ocean ridge. Uh, right. So in, it was selling us on the fact that that was a really bad thing, that she lied. I mean, that's what Michael thinks. Right? I yes. Didn't, I didn't no, lie. you're right. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, my thought right after, before the, their, confl- their little conflict was, is she maybe telepathic? Mm-hmm. Captain? I mean, the president. Right. Because how did she well, she's Cardassian and Bajoran, and they are not telepathic, from what, from what I recall. Okay. So unless she has something else, unless she has a little uh, something else mixed in there, but I doubt it. Unless she has some Betazoid in there. Yeah. Yeah. So she just knew about this thing on this planet. So to calm the guy down, right. she lied and said, talked about how beautiful it was. That yeah. sounds like good, uh, sense, sensible, uh, you mm-hmm. know, crisis management. Yeah. It's it, yes. Agreed. It's just, it's, but again, I, nothing the Federation president is doing seems sort of sinister. It's just like, but it's more like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you asking these questions? You're more kind of scratching your head rather than like sort of suspect something. You just, it's more confusing than it is sort of like, um, 
thinking something strange is afoot. Because for me, I'm still wondering why is the Federation president here? And I'm just why are you needlessly complicating this mission, President? Since Michael knows everything, and Michael is super concerned, right? I feel well, then I should be super concerned because Michael knows everything, Mm -hmm. and that's been how the shows work. So if Michael seems to think something, that means the writers won't know it, and she knows everything the writers know. Right. So I feel like I'm supposed to now... Or does she know nothing and the writers know nothing either? <laughs> well, mm. we'll leave that till the end of the season to decide. Right. So I'm confused because I haven't really seen anything in the scenes that make me think is there anything wrong with the president, but Michael clearly thinks there's something wrong with the president. Right. I. It's so weird to me. It's so strange to me right now. Yeah. But, um, so of course Michael has to go out and save the day once again with going in that shuttle to get them all out of there at the last moment. But because she justifies it by saying, "Well, I have the most hours. Lo- I have the most hours logged in all of this, so clearly I'm the I'm the best choice." Um, it's you know. When you have the Federation president questioning Michael's methods, and and you were saying it earlier with the scene in the beginning, right? Is this episode meant to sort of highlight how unprepared Michael is for being the captain? Now, I've said before, I said last season, if they demote her and take that away from her, I'm going to be super pissed. I may even bail from I think I even said I'm going to bail. I'm telling you right now. I think that would have been. I, I think that would be a great move, but they're not going to do it. They're not. Yeah, they've already congratulated themselves too much about how fantastic it is. But you know something? Finally, Captain. Here, here's something else. Here's something else. I'm noticing another JJ parallel here, because oh, Kirk. In Star Trek Into Darkness, when Kirk was reckless at the very beginning of that movie. And the Enterprise was seen by that pre-warp civilization and Pike demotes him and he says his line is something to the effect of like you don't you don't pay attention you don't follow the rules you don't take responsibility for anything and you don't respect the chair. And you know why? Because you're not ready for it. Yeah. Um, I thought that was well done in that film. And there's even moments, and Kirk then begins to prove himself that he is ready for it throughout the remainder of the movie. You know, at several times saying, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I only know what I can do. And I thought, at the end, by the end of this, when that scene with Michael and the president was unfolding, and I thought that's where they were leading to, I thought, wouldn't that actually be cool if that's the conclusion they come to? Because while the events that played out, may we may have seen, we may not have been impressed by, I thought that the president's kind of assessment of Michael was a very sort of accurate way of describing her the way a fan or a hater might. Uh, well, not a hater, but like, maybe I should say the way we. I feel like the, the, the president described her the way you and I would, where like, yeah, you're a captain, but and you may have done all these great things. I love that she said those were huge pendulum swings. 
you still could have gotten your crew killed. It's like she's pointing or pointing out to her that you're lucky that you haven't gotten any gotten them killed yet, right? Yeah. And Pike says that to uh, says that just as much to Kirk and into Darkness. Yeah. You think you can't make mistakes? You know, you make. There's going to come a moment when you realize you're wrong about that. You're going to get yourself and everybody under your command killed. Yeah. Now is again is the show doing this doing that with doing this with those sorts of things in mind was the entire episode set up for that moment because i think of all the moments in the episode that was probably my most favorite one and felt the most sort of like star trek to me i thought it was a good scene at the end i like that it all kind of culminated into that does that mean we're not going to see other moments like this throughout the season or is it going to be my problem with that was that the vibe that I got from it was that it seemed like both Michael and the show were saying that the president was kind of out of line. Yeah. See, that's my fear. I think if she was very sensible. See, this is the pendulum swing. Is the show going to adapt to that? Is Michael and the show going to adapt to that? Or is Michael and the show going to tell the president, no, fuck you, you're wrong. I'm going to do things my way. Now, we've seen her do this multiple times before. Right. Okay. And it's but, like Kirk thing, right? He's, he beat the Kobayashi Maru. But, She's going to beat the real one. But you said, you said last season when, remember when I got pissed off that she got demoted from uh, first officer? Mm-hmm. And you said, no, I think she's learned. I think this is the moment where she learns and then oh. she becomes captain. Well, the, I thought the moment that she learned... Was that the was moment? In, well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she did seem to learn something. Then. But, but did she? Because here we are. But see, right. But that's what I'm questioning. Is that still going to be... Assuming you're right, is that still going to be the case? Is, right. is Michael going to adapt to that? Or is she still going to go back, revert back to the no, fuck you? I'm telling you right now, if she does revert to that, I mean, it's just, it's exhausting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it seemed like they had to make it a very big moment when the Why? guy died. Yeah. And my feeling to that is that, um, I don't know, that didn't work either because it, she went to a rescue where everybody there was going to die. And instead, three people died and four got wounded. And yeah. that seems like a pretty good outcome given that everybody was going to die but it didn't land with the weight like if it had been well we already saw that you know what though some weight should have been felt when that happened first episode the very first episode of the show yeah you got people killed with her reckless decision making when she wouldn't listen to anyone else right so we're back there well yeah and it's like when is it going to see that's why my fingers are crossed that the show if this is even the question that's being posed to us if this is the position the show wants to try to interrogate i just hope to hope to fuck michael and the show adapts to this because i can't take another like fuck you doing it my way yeah right i just i can't i can't yeah you're right you're right that would be crazy this is going to be the fourth time yep i hope that is not that and i do also hope that we get to see the shift in her 
Yes. You know, it doesn't just happen and all of a sudden she's doing like I want to hear her work it out or talk it out or something. If Michael's too many times, remember when it was when she got back from her year abroad in the future. <laughs> that we never saw. And but we can read all about like one episode she was disenchanted with Starfleet. The next episode she was all about Starfleet. The next episode she was disenchanted with Starfleet. And we yeah. never knew why she kept changing her position so wildly right. until the because um, the writers kept Kirsten changing. Kirsten Meyer written fantastic Kirsten Meyer written uh, Unification Part 3. And then it was a real, uh, we saw the change. Right, right. So. Kirsten Meyer yeah. kind of saved the show in that sense. Yes. If, yeah. she's gonna, if she's going to change, we need to be along for the ride. Yeah. I, I, I if Michael, Michael is captain now. And she's got to stay fucking captain. Yeah. Okay. I Like, I don't understand the show's endless obsession with trying to make everything a struggle for her that doesn't equate to an interesting character that has multiple layers. It just means you're giving them struggles for the, for the, for the hell of it. It doesn't make them more interesting. No, especially when they're struggles that yeah don't don't serve any real purpose. Everything's no, just super. No, just for the sake of just because they think that's what makes her fascinating. You get to see how she reacts to things. You get to see how she handles them. You get to see how she handles multiple situations. Stop making every stop making everything a struggle. I'm not saying make everything easy, but stop making every tiny thing a struggle. Yeah, okay? sometimes you just are being captain. Because it invalidates everything that came before it. Yeah, so, yes, exactly. Like, so if this is, if she once again has to learn the lesson that yeah. she already got her captain killed and she learned nothing from that. But, I mean, let's be honest. What it really means is that because they changed showrunners and they kind of were like, yeah, this stuff happened, but and right. they, don't really, they don't really consider it as a whole. Yeah, I think that's really what it is. But yeah, how many? And what is the guy from the space station getting killed because of her decision? Going to finally make her change when killing her mentor and captain did not make her change. Yeah. I mean, and even you when she what says, else? "Here's another thing. I wish that we had Mirror Giorgio here." Yep. Because uh, that would be an interesting voice for her, you know, to hear from. Well, I'm also thinking that if the president is questioning her ability to command or just what she's done in the past, I would even say at one point, then you know what, Madam President? You need to go talk to Admiral fucking Vance because he gave me my command back. And if you have an issue with that, then you talk to him. He yeah. promoted her to captain. So, or just fire her me or something which right. does say are you taking me out of the chair yeah I would at least feel like if she was taken out of the chair the show it would have made sense at that point because the show at least set it up and explained it well throughout the entire episode it, then it would have made sense to me because we're seeing nothing but reckless acts in this episode right and <sighs> so it would have made sense in the moment Yes. I would have been frustrated when I first saw it, but the more I thought about it and the more we had this discussion, my, my opinion would have come around. And I would have said, okay, it makes sense. 
I would have been angry at the beginning because I thought you just we just did this. Now we're doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we have Kaminar to discuss. We have, well, we have two things to discuss. We have Kaminar and we have book to discuss. Yeah. So, yeah, there isn't a whole lot going on on Kaminar. We're just sort of getting updates on what's going on there, but nothing that's very intricate to the overall plot of the episode. But well, right. But we do get it for the overall show, and it's irritating to me because right. At the end of last season, it really seemed like, oh, interesting. They're going to break away one of the characters who's going to go off and have this journey on his own of self-discovery, and it seems like it's already over. Yeah. It's a little bit like Boimler on the Titan. What has he been doing? What has Saru been doing for the past five months? Right, and now... I mean, it was a little bit. I do like the twist that it was actually the kid who was telling him, like, get out of here, Saru. Right. But that's but, but that's something you would say halfway into the season, and that's what gets him back on the Discovery. Yeah, I would like to see him have something to do at Kaminar, but instead right. it's just, this place is different, huh? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's different. All right, get out of here. Yeah, you're like, you needed to have a moment... I think they needed to have some sort of like stuff backed up for it, like in Star Trek Six, when Spock comes before, like when Spock says, "You know, this will be his final voyage on board this ship." Um, we've already known about the twenty-five year history prior to that, right? So, um, you, you could have done something with Saru, where like you know, over the course of maybe like five or six episodes, he is beginning to realize that his usefulness on Kaminar has come to an end. Yeah, right? but he could have yeah. done something. We could have seen that happen. Right. Yes. Than, no, agreed. Agreed. In other words, we have the kid says to him, you missed Discovery, don't you? And he's like, no, you know, I'm here with you. And he's like, no, you miss it. Go. Okay. Tell, telling, not showing. Right. But... I will say though, fascinating stuff nevertheless. I like I liked what I was seeing. I liked how there seemed again, there seemed to be sort of like a a a, a council, a government council. And then also interesting to see that the Baul have sort of united with them and make yeah. interesting and make decisions with them. Yeah. So, um I liked where they were taking the lore and all of that. So, mm-hmm. it's yeah. all the story telling a story. Yeah, right. Um, I uh, I did. It was uh, I could see the 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 woke police saying, um, and I mean the ones who criticize anything that they think is woke, uh, saying that it it uh, Saru was kind of giving like the <laughs> globalist elite elite uh, uh, worldview. Right. Was inter- it's funny to me that he's sort of like giving them the update on everything. And I thought, you've been there for six months and you haven't done that yet? <laughs> You're telling them this as if they don't even realize that there are other aliens, alien yeah, like, species out there. Were they waiting a long time to get in there? Were they not willing to see them? I would have liked to have seen Because when we saw them in the 23rd century, they don't know that they're part of a vast universe. Right. Of other, of other intelligent life. And it's almost now as if he do, was... <laughs> it's almost as if he was finally revealing that to them then. When... Right. We know that they know because his sister came to help battle the control yeah. at the end of season two. So I don't know that it was, I don't know if like that's actually how it was. It just seemed that way. 
Right, or it's more me. like he was just explaining to him that you can't ignore the world. You gotta be a part of it. You gotta. That actually, that's what it is. It's like, it's sort of like I think it's sort of like you know, what we're arguing about is so trivial because we're part of this vast universe of other species. Let me show you. Let me take out my PowerPoint and show you. <laughs> yes, let me use yeah. Yoda's uh, Yoda's map. Right. <laughs> so, but I, you know, one of my big complaints about last season was that they were they were telling too many stories at once and they weren't. Nothing was related. They just seemed to be jumping around to different stories, no focus. And while we had two other stories going on with this one, they were focused on the least. I mean, we only got two, I think it was two scenes with Saru and two scenes with Book. And Book at least tied in at the end. Book kind of set everything in motion, correct, at yeah, the end. Is, right. Who does? I do give credit where it's due. That, so, that was a sensible... So in terms of like the actual what actually happens, so in terms of like the way the episode's actually laid out. Yeah. It functioned and worked well. It's just, you know, we're comp- I think you and I are just talking like, you know, what we're reviewing and sort of like nit we're, we're kind of being nitpicky in a lot of ways. In a right? way. In a way, well, but actually, actually hold on. So there is something else we didn't discuss and that's that Adira Adira's crisis of confidence. Oh, yes. Trying to get respect and whatnot and have people right. trust her, but then she does, and then she messes it up or doesn't work, so I'm sure right. that's going to that's gonna come back in an annoying and distracting way. But I know we still have to talk about book stuff. Yes. But I will say this. Okay, this is a... I have a positive takeaway from this episode. This was the first episode, in my opinion, that felt like it was an ensemble piece because while obviously Michael factors in most heavily because she's the lead everyone had some everyone contributed to the to it in some way to the episode and it to me felt like an ensemble piece in that regard we haven't seen Jet Reno yet obviously but that's fine But that, but see, that was always a problem that I had with the show was that it failed to use all of its characters, or mo- most many of its characters, at crucial points. Well, and I felt that with this one, they were really utilizing everybody and giving them something to do. Well, not Detmer Owo. But they had scene, like they spoke, they had scenes, they had like, like they had a scene, like not. I don't mean just like I don't just yeah, mean but like what they lines you could put in any character. Yes. Yes. Yes, but I would have said that about whoever that character was. They helped, they contributed to the solution or to the plot in some way. That's fair. They had lines. So, and look, we know that, we know how important it is that they, I mean, fucking, dude, Reese had like, he was in the command chair at one point. He had like, this is the most I've heard him speak in the entire show. Uh, you want to know what my notes were when he showed up? Who is this guy? <laughs> That's what I wrote. Yeah. Because honestly, I forgot who he was. His name is Reese. But yeah. again, look, in all fairness, though, and I know you say OO and Detmer could have been anybody. Most of the, ca- most of the cast could, could have been anybody. Yeah. Most of them can be anybody. Yeah. So. Except Adira. 
I mean, what I'm saying Here's is... Here's the one they've decided is going to be a character, like a real character with things yes. that happen, which is yes. great. I just wish everybody was a character. But Owo, Detmer, Reese, Bryce, they've been there from the beginning. We only got to know the names really second season and somewhat into the season. And we've always complained about how they don't really seem to have anything to do. We're yeah. trying to buy into how close and tight they are as friends, but we don't well, really see enough smile. of them. All I'm saying is we yeah. have they've had they had stuff to do in this episode, which is great because that's what I wanted them to do. Yes. I, I want I want I to care want about those characters. I want to care about those characters. Yes. And so first give them lines, then give the them show's the utilizing power. them. So today today so in a sense this episode was a good was a good start for them. Are they gonna, are they, it could be. Are they going to maintain it? Season two made us think that, that was going to be the case. If I, they get a personality. Yes, I owe. Now, now, now the show has to make them irreplaceable, or at least make them a character. Yes. We know everybody's thing. We know. Right. Jordy, we know what Jordy's like. We know what Worf is like. You know from starting from now, starting now, Discovery. You need to make me care a lot about Detmer so when you decide to kill her off in the future, I'll actually feel something. Right. Well, look, so here's the cool thing, right? And just yeah. a good segue, right? So I do yeah. feel that Book's Planet got the Arium treatment. You, yes, you did say that. Because we got to know it in this way. Well, hold on. Only for okay. it to be destroyed. Now, we met it last season briefly. Well, it was a whole episode, and it was our least favorite episode. Yeah, we so really it wasn't even... Yeah, and it had nothing to do with what this. I mean, this that we got this no. night. Like, well, we get this tree, and it goes all over the planet. And it's so it was, cool, it's lovely. It was used as a way of introducing Osira last season, but we didn't yeah, give a shit. That was used as a way to introduce the gravity swell or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> that poor planet. It introduced it introduced two villains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we saw the um, the book bus bar mitzvah. Right. I, books people are so fucking corny. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you like, know what? Though? There were a lot of corny ass, uh, you know, cultures in next gen also. But it's so like, st- like I just feel like as they write it, it's the cheesiest d- dialogue. Like even these people's customs, it's like, it's like, it's right off the shelf. It's just like, yeah. And that kid you know, actor sucked. It's like they're like it's like they're writing like like Indians and like or I, I, no, I shouldn't say Indians, but like, you know, some sort of like you know, it, here are the blood here's the blood of your people and you wear this around your neck and tree, it's your family yeah. and it's your family tree, tree and it's your it's like, it's like it's like the uh, uh the Navi on uh Yeah. in uh, that movie that is never going to get a sequel. <laughs> Avatar. It just feels like they're writing all this really corny dialogue for like people yeah. for, for this for this race of people when we've heard like there's I, i'm I, i'm like i'm thinking to myself there's probably nothing in the show bible about who these people are anything about their culture customs nothing yeah they're just writing something that sounds intriguing and just very yeah. sort it, of like it's in the direction was just make it vaguely spiritual that, that i couldn't think of the words and i spiritual that's exactly right yeah vaguely i not think of the word you yeah. know, put some nature shit in there. Whatever. Put some spiritual. Yeah, this they're very spiritual. They're one with nature, and they're just yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. You know, they yeah, have they a weird way of like yes. But we never see them suck the slugs again. Yeah, so it all just kind of plays into that. So it's very, it's all very, to me very, very, very cheesy and just very corny. I. I uh, all right, we're done talking about the episode. 
Can I talk about thoughts for the season? Oh, yeah. Go right ahead. Because I just had a thought. You just said, are we going to talk about the episode? I'm like, we've been talking about the episode for the past hour. I just had a thought, right? So this is a gravity anomaly. A gravitational anomaly. Yeah. Right? Yes. I can't imagine any way that they solve this that isn't stupid. It's not. (laughs) It's gravity, right? Right. How do you... Because it's a naturally occurring phenomenon. It's like trying to stop an earthquake. Yeah, even yeah. an earthquake. I can yeah. wrap my head. Maybe because I'm not a physicist or a physics. Well, no, person. but I think the question you're posing is how do you make something that's naturally occurring? At least that's how it's being presented to us right now. How do you make that compelling? Are we going to find out halfway, midway into the season that's that there's actually somebody causing this? Is Not it? Boy. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. President. But I'll but I'll say this. Think of the whale probe in Star Trek Four. That wasn't. That was a faceless enemy. Vidra was a faceless enemy. They're not great ones. But. I. Yeah. What but, I want it to be is I yeah. want it to be a villain that, uh, 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 well, not a villain, but like something that, at least in Star Trek the motion picture and Star Trek the Voyage Home is a reflection, makes you reflect on yourself as a human. That's what those things did. Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't the think the show's smart enough to do that, but... Obviously made the, made the idea of like, oh, you're destroying your your planet's creatures. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, the show's not smart enough for that, in my opinion, but yeah. And it's Yeah, so, okay, so that's one thing. Now, here's another thing. Remember last season, early on, we were making these predictions, I was saying, like, wouldn't it be cool if this whole dilithium thing, they make it some sort of parallel for, you know, uh, fossil fuels? Yes. And they didn't, because that would have made sense. So, what they... But, (laughs) this is hilarious. Uh, Now that they have dilithium, one of the things the president said is, and now we're working on other um, (laughs) sources of energy, so we don't have to rely on dilithium. That better not have been a throwaway line. I'm afraid it is, but better not have been. Here's the problem. So they went 100 years not doing that. Well, no. They had the thing with the Vulcans and the Romulans, and they were going to, and they just the whole thing fell apart. But we never really got the story on it. They had one one attempt. But we never really got the full story on that. No. Like, whose fault was it? Right. And then, so what was it? Was it... They tried one thing, and then Vulcan said no, and then they were like, well, well I guess we can't do it. But right. now that they have dilithium, they're going to come up with, like, wind and solar or something. So it just seemed – that seemed like a that seemed like a line. Well, I had, compla- I had complained to you at the end of last season that I hated how the resolution was finding more dilithium. I thought, wouldn't it have been great yeah. if they did reestablish uh, contact with the Vulcans, Navarians – and then work together on a new technology. And actually, yeah. like, I think, yeah, to your point, fossil fuels would have been a fucking brilliant idea because what do you do when the supply dries up? Yeah. 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 Um, it was interesting. Actually, Cooperation. I was, this, I was watching this episode with Julia, my wife, Julia, and she, asked, she didn't really watch any of last season, so she asked me to fill her in. And as I was explaining last season, there was a point where I didn't even want to explain anymore. 
Keep talking. Because it... I felt stupid saying it. When I had to say, all the dilithium, which is what they use for fuel, uh, blew up. Why? Uh, because there was this kid and his mom died. Yep. How does that make all the fuel blow up? Well, he, he grew up near a planet made out of it, and he kind of like melded with it, and his emotions like triggered it in some way when he was really sad. Even saying it now, I feel uh, cringy. And, and yep. It's... So, anyway, I don't know what the point of that was other than just to share that when you have to repeat it, you feel like an idiot. Right, you do. Well, we'll see how the season goes. Um, I think that I found the this episode to be cohesive in what it tried to do. I think that, but I also think that it was... Um, there were questionable things going on in the episode, but that may have been the point of the episode, and maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. It's just going to make it that much more painful when the whole season stops making any degree of sense. Yes, because we know that's going to happen. That's where I'm at. Yes, it's just going to be a question I'm a little of negative, listeners. We're salty. We have reason to be salty. Yes, we're yeah. going to be salty. But now, for all of our new listeners, the thousands that are here. For the first time, just know we don't hate to hate, and we're usually pretty positive and, you know, keep listening. Yes. Cool. Well, um, I guess happy season premiere of Discovery, and we're going to be back next week with episode two. As we record this, we're recording this on Thanksgiving Eve, so... uh True. So I recommend for everybody out there listening to this on their drive to their Thanksgiving day. Oh, yeah, but you're assuming I'm going to have this edited in time. Dinners, you know, drive safe. Don't have no, too no. much of the spiked eggnog and then well, hit the road. Don't the do time, it. It's not worth it. By the time they hear this, I hope they have driven safe because I'm not going to have this ready for by tomorrow. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, when you go to that post-Thanksgiving party. When you're, uh, when you're laying on the couch, unbuckling... You know, from all that food you ate. Yes. Stick some headphones in your head, in your ear, and have a listen. So. Yes. Yeah. And Stick in your Apple AirPods. Listen to us on Spotify and all the other and Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your podcasts. All the places that do the podcasts. So, your question would would definitely apply here. What are you doing when you're listening? Here it would yeah. be veget. Here it would be vegetating after Thanksgiving dinner. Right. I would assume so, but, you know, after this episode, I don't know. They might be taking a bottle of sleeping pills. <laughs> Maybe. Well, well, I've been told I have a voice that can put people to sleep. So, yeah. 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 Um, all right. With that, you can reach out to us on Instagram at in Star Trek We Trust podcast and tweet us at Star Trek We Trust. And until then, see y'all next week. <laughs>